0: Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael lockstamp for. And did I mention our website has been completely renovated? If you visited our home on the web before, let me invite you to stop by again and check out the renovations. While you're there, you can get the lowdown on everything that's happening at Grace Church. We're really excited about how God is moving, and we hope you'll partner with us to follow Him. Now, I'm not a sports guy, but I do know that Super Bowl merchandisers print shirts and hats for both teams in the event that one or the other wins. In fact, we might get a little suspicious if they didn't. Can you imagine a printer being so confident of the winner well before the contest that they don't even consider the option that the other team could win? Beyond that, what if they threw a legitimate victory party the night before the game? That would raise a few eyebrows for sure. And as Pastor Todd will show us, that's exactly what God does in Exodus chapter 12, episode 5 of By His Hand.
1: Well, good morning, church. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 12 this morning. We're going to study, we're going to learn, we're going to interact with God's Word about a victory celebration. And like I was sharing with the Kid Nation, God says, here's how you celebrate and when you celebrate, and it's before the victory's won. And this sounds bizarre to us this morning, and you guys notice how the kids interacted with this weirdness? We're going to celebrate a victor of a race before we even run. But when we celebrate these big events now that we're, a lot of us are accustomed to, Easter and communion. Those are big celebrations. In fact, this evening at 5 p.m., we're going to gather to celebrate communion. These are celebrations which we're used to. But think about this. Jesus shows up to give instructions about serving one another before he's victorious. That's why we read John 13, wash each other's feet, serve one another. Serve as I've served you. When did he do that? Right in the middle, Passover feast. It's like showing up for Thanksgiving dinner, like Pastor Ryan was saying, and somebody changes the script. No, we're not having pecan pie, Huh? which would devastate me. But Jesus changes things up right in the middle of this. And what does he say then when he gives instructions about the bread and cup? Do this in. But that hasn't happened yet. Imagine, just stop for a second, put yourself in the disciples' shoes and go, remember, what? It's, It's Passover. We've been doing this since Exodus 12. Yeah, there's a whole lot of rules of how to do Passover, which we'll go over today. But the boys know this. Everybody in the room knows this. God's had really specific instruction on how to do the Passover, and Jesus slams on the brakes, stops the train, stops the Mack truck on I-75, and says, celebrate this in remembrance of me. And it has yet to happen. What has yet to happen? When does the Passover feast happen? Right before he's went. What, what happens to Jesus the next day? His crucifixion. Then what happens which you're not expecting three days later? The resurrection. What's that celebration? We pick it one time a year to celebrate that, which I love celebrating that every Sunday. Easter. So tie these ideas together. Passover was victory, so you can serve. Actively celebrating the victory by doing what? Service. Jesus says, Hey, I want to teach you something to serve one another. Right, smack dab in the middle communion. Today in Passover he's going to say, "Hey, you will need to serve me when we do this celebration." Celebration includes service. So turn with me if you will to act or acts. Exodus 12. Exodus 12 verse 1. Everybody there? Exodus 12, verse 1. And we finished last week, Exodus 11. Knowing that battle number 11 is coming. It's been threatened. And it's going to be a big deal. It's the final deadly battle. It's grace before action. God giving grace before his wrath. Moses is fuming mad, but God steps in right before this last battle and tells Moses to plan a victory celebration. Right in the middle, right in the beginning of this final battle, God slams on the brakes on I-75 and says, Wait, I want you to plan for a celebration, a feast, a Passover memorial for me. Let's read about that. Exodus 12, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Move your finger to verse 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. So God's party has rules. The victory party has rules. The food, to have at the feast, and how to prepare it. It's on the 10th day of the month. By the way, this is like God saying, hey, reset your calendar. This is such a huge event. I want you to reset it. It's a new people for a new calendar, for a new orientation to their days with God who is present, the great I am. And he tells each household to find a lamb. And if you're a small household and it's just you and your widow, go to your neighbor's house. And the lamb or goat has to be without blemish. Keep the lamb. Get this. You pick up the idea that you had to pick out the lamb and then keep it for four days. Know your lamb. One person wrote, an animal selected had to be the best the worshipers could afford. It was an animal selected with care and then guarded and kept for four days. Conscientiously for the moment of its selection on the 10th day until the 14th day when it was slaughtered. Know your lamb. Bring it in. Bring it in with the family and all the kids see that this is going to be our Passover lamb four days from now. The blood and how to prepare it. Put it on your house when you eat. The blood goes on the doors and a little post. At this point, God gives no instructions of why. Just do it food and how to eat. It's eaten at night, all roasted by fire. Bread must be unleavened with better herbs. And by the way, there's no leftovers. If there's any leftovers, you burn it in the morning. What to wear to the feast? Have your belt on, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand, eat it in a hurry. Don't linger over this. Be ready to go. And who's invited? That's why we jump to verse 43. Celebration is for God's people on his terms. There's a way to become a part of God's family, even if you're not a descendant of Abraham. By the way, this is where all we go. Amen. Amen. If adopted into the family, all you Israelites, then treat them fairly. The same rules apply for you as it does for them. Do not make special rules because they've been grafted in to the family. I like this. Eat only in the house. Don't take... This is not a takeout. Don't break any of the lamb's bones. It's all for one meal. It's all together. Everyone must participate. Okay, put this together. You put together a lamb and it's on the table You can't go outside, no takeout, everybody's there. If you can't find, if you're just one person alone, you're going to go over to your neighbor's house and it's all inside with no takeout. What's the image? Moms, if you have a bunch of kids and you could force every kid to sit at the table, to interact with each other over one meal. What is God telling them? This is your lamb. You've known him for four days. This is communal. This isn't about just you. This is the, what's inside your, your household. Make this a family time. Everybody together. Don't carve off a piece and send Joe back to the other room. No, don't break any of the bones. Put it right there and together in the center of the table. So we know the rules for the party. But what's God going to do during the party? Move to Exodus 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you, and on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So we had the party rules for the victorious inside the house. Now, what's God going to do? God's in action. Remember, battle number 11: who's on the playing field? God is. He's the one that's stepping up on the diamond and pitching. God is going to pass through the land of Egypt that night and strike down the firstborn in the land, both man and beast. And looky there. The end of verse 12: who else is he battling? The gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Least you forget, this is a spiritual battle. God is just not putting on a show for everybody to see. He is also battling a battle that is only for the celestial beings to see. God's executing judgments. little footnote, I'd love to know what he did to them. But we don't know that here. God just tells Moses, hey, I'm going to smack them down too. God is doing the fight in a spiritual battle. Now, why the blood of the lamb on the house from verse 7? It's spelled out right here. The blood is a sign for those in the house. It's a sign for those who are in the house that, hey, they had to take their faith into action. They literally had to go get the lamb and do these criteria for the lamb, then keep it four days and then slaughter it and then do what with the blood? what god told him to do why god says don't ask me the why just obediently do it and let me show myself to you take the blood participate with me god is the one going into battle he's doing all the work but this is the first point that israel the land of goshen has been asked to participate do something put your faith into action you have to participate you have to do this. It's a sign for you inside the house. Yes, my faith is active. Then it's a sign for God on the house for what? Faith has been active here. God asks us to do things in times to propel us into our faith activity. The all-knowing God didn't need blood on a door for direction signs or a GPS rerouting system. He's asking for you to participate with Him. Our faith must be active. And in verses 14 through 20, let me just cover for you that God has a plan now to celebrate tonight's victory. This is going to be your new National Memorial Feast. Keep it as a feast to the Lord. It is His. Keep it through your generations forever. Not just one day, but for an entire week. And here's his terms. There's seven days of unleavened bread. On the first day of the week, take all the leaven out of the house. On the first day of the week, have a holy assembly. Set apart the first and the last day as separated toward God when you're going to get together with everybody and say, look what God's doing. No work is to be done during this time. Stop. Don't be distracted. What is the Sabbath? God's saying, whoa. Whoa. Quit worrying about what's going on tomorrow and what's going on, but you're going to take seven days of work, off work so you can point your attention to me, says God. No distractions. Pick up with me in chapter 12, verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and two on the doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Verse 24, you shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come into the land, the Lord will give you as he has promised. You shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt. When he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. See, Moses tells the elders to plan that night for the victory. Not only is it crazy news for Moses, hey, he's just come out from talking to Pharaoh, giving him the last threat. But he, hey, Now go tell the elders to pass on this news. Moses, you're not responsible to send an email out to everybody and do all this work. You need to delegate this work. Hey, oh, we've got to do this tonight. We've got to do this tonight. Robbie, you go home and take care of your house. Make sure you call five people. Rodlin, you've got to take care of, you know, you and Robbie, get, your, Tommy, get together. And you take, so Moses isn't running around brrr, all these different homes. What's happening here? Plan the party with other people. We've got to get this taken care of tonight. And you've got to do it on God's terms. So he reiterates God's terms. This isn't a point of negotiation. You can't say, well, we don't like blood on the doorpost. Never mind that one. God, I'll do everything on your terms except that. He loves me. He won't, he'll just think, you know, that's okay. No, Moses gives direct, specific directions to these elders, and they go and do it. Part of your celebrating God's victory is doing what he's asked you to do on his terms. Look at this. He says, don't go outside until morning. You guys are on lockdown. Stay with your family inside. Celebrate this Passover with your family. God's coming tonight, and he's going to kill the firstborn without a sign of blood on the door. And by the way, guys, plan for next year's party too while you're at it. Does this sound absurd yet in your mind? It's yet to happen. Moses, plan the party. What party? Here's the party. Here's the rules for the party. Now go get the elders and tell them to go plan for the party. And by the way, while you're at it, plan for the years afterward. Why? glad you asked. So when your kids ask, what's going on? Why are we doing this? What's your opportunity then? To share it with your kids. To share it with your spiritual children. When you take God's celebrations and they're like, we got to go back to church tonight at five o'clock for real. Why dad? Why mom? Why friend? Why neighbor? Your neighbor comes to you and says, why you got to go back? Oh, let me tell you the great God story. It goes with this. It gives us occasions. The victory party gives us reasons to tell other people about God's work. God wants you to party. Why? Because parties get attention. We love to eat. God loves to feast. What a better way than to invite your friends to a feast to share what God is doing. So what do the elders do? They actually worship God before the service. They like, whoa, he's gonna do that? They break out into spontaneous worship before the worship gathering. Wouldn't that be awesome? You're driving into the parking lot this morning, and what's you what are you doing out in the parking lot? We're worshiping, we get the worship. What's the response? Verse 28. And the people of Israel went and did so. The response of active faith. Faith is agreeing to life on God's terms. Faith is active. Faith comes out in our actions. Faith has motion to do what God says to do. The ocean, Israel, you have passively watched God spare you in these previous ten battles. Now you must participate. This battle includes, you got to do something. What do you got to do? Eat. Hold a party in the house, stay inside. Eat like this, dress like this, have this as your menu. By the way, put blood on the outside. Why? So there's of faith. You, It's assigned to you. Hey, it took some blood. And God says, whoa, look, there's faith in action right there. So the battle number 11 happens. Turn to verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among the people, both you and the people of Israel. Go and serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks, your herds. As you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. What God warned of Alexa, what God warned of in Exodus 11 happened. God literally did what He said He was going to do at a specific date and get this, a specific time. Don't miss that. God says, "Hey, I'm warning you. If you want to follow me, here's the terms. I'm judging you someday for this. Now the grace is the time between telling you and the judgment coming. God has evidenced tons of grace to the Egyptians. Here's your warning. Here's your time. Here's the rules. Here's what it means to come to me. And then he does it. We don't like this part. God, how come you only waited a day? We want justice on our terms when we want it. But God's got a plan. God says, I'm coming. And this time when he killed people, it was particular. It wasn't just anyone. It's not just those who happened to be outside during the horrible hailstorm. Who are these? There's two criteria. It's a firstborn and the firstborn whose parents didn't do what God asked them to do. This is the other part we get aggravated at. God, my faith is my faith only, and it doesn't affect anybody else. Leave me alone. I'll believe the way I want to. How many of you heard that this last week, last month, last year? What's God say? Follow me on my terms, and that affects your family. So, okay, Dad. You're sitting there. I, don't, I like lamb, mutton. It's good stuff. Rack of lamb. Yeah, good. God loved that. I don't like blood. I ain't putting that on the little. God says, what? Well, you don't obey me? What? Who's the, who receives the consequence of your disobedience? Good. Faith and action is for you and your family and for those around you. Grace was given those who obediently and literally did at a specific date, at a specific time, what God specifically required. God's promise of assured victory comes true right here. Look at all those verses up there. These are all the times that God has said, You're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. Three, eight through ten. Three, 20 through twenty two. Six, one through two. Seven, four through five. You're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. And victory over Pharaoh and his gods actually happens. So Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron shortly after midnight. Hmm. <laughs> This is so fun. Pharaoh is like exploding with get up and go, get up and go, get up and go. He yells these three terms, three verbs, go, 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 three times in a row. He's like, you get out. You gotta go. You Israelites, get out of here. Go and worship Yahweh. Go and take your flocks. Go, go, go. What's God done by this point in the story? Remember the first time Moses went to Pharaoh and asked for the people to go? What did he say? Let me remind you, Pharaoh says, Who's the Lord that I should obey his voice? Let Israel go. What's he doing now? I know him. I, yeah. I know who he is. Now go. Get up. Get out and go. The God of the Hebrews has made himself evident to the Egyptians and to Pharaoh. And who else? Who's the primary recipients of God evidencing himself to, his, to the people? Israel. The people of faith. And God says, I want you to celebrate this from your generation to generation to generation. Move with me to verse 33. Victory by God's hand. I like to call this part the benefactors without the bullets. Verse 33, and the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks and on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they let them have what they asked thus they plundered the egyptians and the people of israel journeyed from ramesses to succoth about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children a mixed multitude also went with them and very much livestock both flocks and herds and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of egypt for it was not leavened because they had, because they were thrust out of egypt and could not wait nor they had prepared any provisions for themselves victory by God's hand. After finally Pharaoh lets the people go, the rest of the population is excited about this news. It's like they cannot wait that the Israelites get out of town. In fact, they're fearing God because they said, we shall all be dead if this continues. They had seen God's wrath in these 11 battles. The 11th battle ended in a very particular death to anyone that wasn't covered by the blood. They hurried the Israelites out so quickly that the dough that they made the night before didn't have time to rise. There's also a miraculous change of heart that only God can do. Now as they're rushing the unprepared Israelites out of town, now they're willing to pull out their pocketbooks and hand them the cash. By the way, as you're going out, take Mom's China, wow, I've got this sequin dress that I bought for10,000 dollars. Take it, get out of town. We oh, God has changed him from. here's these people holding them in, and Pharaoh's like, "Who's God?" Now the pe- Pharaohs had his change of heart. Now like, go, go, go go. And the people that are watching this are like, take, not only go, but I'll pay your tolls from here to Washington. Here's your gas money. So they've had the change of heart. The spoils are taken as, promise, as promised, but also notice what, who else goes with them. There's onlookers. Verse 38, A mixed multitude also went with them. they watched Israel's God war for them. They watched their lives. They watched them live without hail, disease, flies, or death. The onlookers saw their faith in action. When the neighbor walked over and said, why are you putting blood on there? God said, this is what I'm supposed to do. That's silly. I don't believe in God. Okay. I'm following him. I don't like what you're doing. Why would God ask you to do that? It's a sign for my family that it's, this is what God's asked us to do. And I'm giving you this opportunity. Do you want some blood? Here's how you do this. So there's people who watch this. Then they, their kid died that night, let's say. And they're like, oh, you all leaving? We want to follow that faith, God, that you have and that God too. Can we go out of town with you? Moses already said in the rules, God has given the rules for the victory party, right? If a stranger wants to join the party, let them in. Here are the rules in which they have to do to be a part of the family. Sounds like what we go through today a little bit, doesn't it? I want forgiveness of sins with no problems in my life hereafter. I can't sell you that, but I can sell what Jesus has asked me to do. Why are you going to church on Sunday to meet with a bunch of goofy people? God's asked me to do that. And let me tell you about the great things that are happening there. Let me tell you about the people who are praying for me. That's silly. Well, Jesus died on the cross for you, and this is for your sins. I don't believe in that whole blood thing. That's goofy. God asked, this is what he asked his son to do, and he did it. And by the way, we're getting ready to celebrate that. But notice everything that happens, everything in this story happens on God's terms. There's no negotiations from anybody. We like to say that about the Egyptians. You, you hard-headed people, of course God wouldn't negotiate with you. But what about the Israelites? Was there any negotiations over there on how to hold Passover? What to do with the lamb? No, we, we don't want to roast ours, we want to boil the lamb. No. Okay. Okay. Put the blood on the door. Now, okay, so we're together for church this morning, to get together with the church family. I want to follow God, but on my own terms. You will never find that in the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Wait a second. Pastor Todd, there's a whole lot of rules for Passover. Does God say anything about the rules for communion? Yes, He does. Yes, He does. In fact, when Paul writes it, He says, Some of you have died because you've disobeyed these. Okay, all right. Well, we got Easter coming. When we come into the building on Easter, does the God say anything about how we should get together? Matter of fact, He does. What? I want to do God on my terms. As you get to know Him, you will recognize His terms, and faith is obedience and action. And guess what? Then you get to serve because of that victory. Let's finish up with Exodus chapter twelve, verses forty and forty-two. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, on that very day, all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. 430 years. That's a long love story a lot of chapters. From the time of Joseph bringing a family into Egypt to save a family. From really good times. Everybody liked Joe. It's the way the book of Genesis ends. To the times were really bad. The rose of king over Egypt who did not know Joe. We've gone from a story of a family's deliverance to a story of a nation's deliverance. 430 years is a long, grand, huge love story. But a love story culminates in one night. God's eye was on that night. God watched that night. That night is incredibly special for God. In the same way, it's an incredibly special night for God's people. It took 430 years to rescue them. So for the next 430 years, let's say, remember, think back to that night. It's God's hand in the celebration of redeeming, buying back his people from slavery, from Egypt. So we have 12 chapters worth celebrating. 12 chapters of God's love story of rescuing his people. People. Twelve chapters to resolve 430 years of harsh trials. Remember, God's hand, he rescued the baby Moses. By God's hand, he discipled him for 40 years in Egyptian royalty. By God's hand, he discipled him for 40 more years as a shepherd. So at 80, God's hand moves Moses and his team back to Egypt, assuring them a team victory. The process is long. Moses is 83 in the middle of a 430-year-long story. And then we have 12 hard battles in which there are many opportunities for grace. Then God's hand defeats Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt and his people receive the spoils of victory. So they celebrate that great feast, the great memorial of Passover. Notice that God saves his people. He requests that they know him and serve him. Serving begins with acknowledging his supreme rule as ruler, the great I am, the present God. Serving then continues with acts of faith to worship God on his terms. His terms are what the sacrifice is, the terms of the meals, the terms of how you're going to eat, the terms of what you're going to dress. And by the way, where are you even going to eat it and who's invited? Then serving means celebrating this victory and then describing it to your kids as the generations come forward and forward. By the way, God saves people today. God's great love stories still continue. Easter is coming where we celebrate Jesus' death over sin, Jesus' victory over sin and death. When God sacrificed his own son. This is our Exodus story. We've got to apply this blood to our life. We've got to go. We've got to do. We've got to go and say, we are redeemed from our bondage to serve, to act out our faith. So by God's hand, we can actively celebrate victory by serving. God has won. What was the role of the Israelites in the victory party. Put your faith at work. Let me see it. We're getting ready to celebrate Jesus' victory over sin and death. What is our role? Well, let's get together and have some breakfast. We always have breakfast at Easter. Cool. How are we going to serve one another and serve our community while doing that? There are people watching. There was people watching Israel leave in a crazy cool way. The news was out there. Who's watching us? So this Easter, I think everybody should have their one invitation to invite one person. Invite one person to Easter morning. Have breakfast. Have some pictures taken. But come. Hear the story. Celebrate with us of having faith with God on his terms. And I want to feast with you. I want to party with you. I want you to be able to see the celebration of what God is doing. Invite one person.
0: Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and his word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our newly renovated home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.